Welcome to the You on the Camino de Santiago podcast, season two, helping pilgrims get ready for their first pilgrimage walk on the Camino. With your host, Camino guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. is flying by and here we are already in April with the 2023 Camino pilgrimage season underway. From what I'm reading online, it's busy on the Camino routes. On the Frances route, Refuge Orison opened on April 7th and Albert's Borda opened a week or so before that. Albergues and guest houses in Spain are coming back to life and spring is happening. Hi, this is Nancy, and for all of you heading out to walk this month, I want to wish you a buen camino. And I want to be sure to mention, come back and tune in when you get home from your camino. Season three of this podcast will launch in late June or early July, and I have some ideas in mind for those of you who will have already walked the camino by then. For the rest of season two, I have more pilgrim interviews for you, plus a couple of fun things and, of course, some more top tips. As this episode is releasing, I'm getting ready to attend the annual gathering of the American Pilgrims on the Camino organization at Zephyr Cove Conference Center at Lake Tahoe on the Nevada side. So I'm hoping to bring back some new ideas to share with you. If you will also be attending the gathering, I would love to have the chance to meet you. We can connect in advance by email at youonthecamino at gmail.com. You can also sign up for my email list and we can connect that way. When you sign up, I will also send you a free copy of my Camino Planning Roadmap. The link to sign up is in the show notes. One more thing before we get to the point here. I want to again say thank you for listening. This podcast series just went past 20,000 downloads with people tuning in from more than 40 countries. I am so grateful that I get to be a part of your Camino experience. And thank you to those of you who have recently sent a donation for the production fund. You can do that at any time, by the way. The link is in the show notes. Okay, let's get moving on to what's in store for this episode. I have a guest with me coming to us from Asheville, North Carolina in the U.S. His name is Maurice, and he retired in 2016 from a career in information management. And one of the things he's doing in his retirement is walking the Camino de Santiago. I will let him tell you all the details. So hello, Maurice. Hello, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining me today. How does it feel to be on the podcast? Uh, It's a thrill and an honor. I've listened to every episode and to be part of this is very meaningful to me. Thank you. Mm, Thank you. And I think you heard about this from Lee Brennan's podcast. Do I remember that correctly? Yes, I found that episode in my feed and I looked at it and I said, wait, I never heard of this other podcast. (laughs) 
So I listened to that and then I jumped over and started listening to as many episodes as I could. Oh, I'm so grateful. You know, Maurice, one of the things that is so satisfying for me when I heard from you about the podcast is you are the you and the you on the Camino de Santiago that I'm speaking to. You are that pilgrim who wants to start at the beginning from, yeah, I think I want to do this all the way to your first steps. And you want the long answer. Yes, that's true. I I like long, detailed answers. (laughs) Yes. So then that's my style. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. So let's let the audience get to know you a little bit. And if you would start by sharing with us, it's what I call put the pin in the map. And if you would talk with us about in general, when you're going, what route you're going to tackle and how long you plan to be on the trail. I will be starting the Camino Frances from St. John P. de Port in mid-September. And I think I will finish by the end of October. I also hope to continue on to Finisterre. Fortunately, I don't have a job that I have to run back to. So I can take as long as I like and enjoy where I am. So I want to do the Francais because that will give me the most in common with other pilgrims that I encounter. Can you say more about that? Well, it it is the most popular route, obviously. So more people have walked it. And, you know, in the local chapter of the American Pilgrims on the Camino that I participate in, almost everyone has done the Francais. There are some people who will start Portuguese or Norte as their first, but it just seems to be where people go first. And that mm. that will give me more in common with others. Hmm. I like that. That's another take on being part of the pilgrim community. So, of course, on any route that you're on, you're a part of that group of pilgrims. But I think what you're saying is that when you are with your local chapter, and I want to make sure people know that this is what this is, the American Pilgrims on the Camino have chapters all over the U.S. and people meet up and join up. So I think what you're saying is this will give you more in common with those people who are sort of going to be your community when you get home. Did I understand that correctly? Yes, it it will be a common frame of reference. You know. They'll mention a town and I'll have that. I went there too feeling. I love that. And, you know, Maurice, what I really love about that is you're looking ahead to after the Camino. So walking the Camino is this experience and this big pilgrimage and whatever it's going to be for you. And then there's life after the pilgrimage. And so you're already looking ahead to what your experience will be after. Yes. Yes, very true. I like that. Well, so, but we still have to talk about the experience and what you're planning for and and how that's all going. And I would love to hear about how are you approaching planning for walking the Camino? Well, one thing I should say is, although I've been hiking for many years, I'm, I'm a day hiker. I have never backpacked before. So this is 
the focus of my my planning. I've picked out a pack. Uh, I'll be purchasing it soon. I tried on uh, several at my local REI. I have scoured all the packing lists. I have my own. I've started to buy a few things. And I'm the type of consumer that I just don't run into a store and pick something off the shelf and get out as soon as possible. I do the research. Mm-hmm. I want to know what the alternatives are. Why do you pick one thing instead of another based on what criteria? So I have been deep into all the information about what's typical for a Camino and what I would need and what to leave behind. So just getting the stuff has been a big part of my planning. Well, what I'm hearing in that is people could hear that a couple different ways. They could hear, my goodness, this guy's an overplanner. He's going into detail. Can't he just get on the plane? But what I hear in what you're saying, Maurice, is that you actually enjoy this process. And for you, this is part of the journey. Would you say that's true? Yeah, that that is how I am. Now, you just mentioned something that I try to keep in mind. At one of the meetings of our local Camino group, one of, one of the first things one of the veterans told me was don't over plan. <laughs> I am still working on learning that lesson. <laughs> so you remembered it, but we'll, we're going to negotiate right, that point. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm trying, and I should say also just this morning, I re-listened to your interview with David. And one of the great points he made that was so helpful to me was do the best you can. And if something doesn't work, you can replace it in Spain, leave behind what doesn't work, get what will work. Don't worry about it. It'll all be okay. That was such incredible advice because so many people think that you've got to have it all right has to be perfect. It has to be the right, the right, this, the right, that before you leave or your Camino will be ruined. And I was, I was just talking to a friend about this yesterday. When I walked the Camino the first time, second, third, fourth, probably the first five years, I just went and figured it out. You know, there was nothing in English available that could help me get ready. And part of the experience for me of the Camino was learning how to problem solve, learning how to fine tune. And we were talking about how on the first week of the Camino, that's when you're figuring out your physical existence. You've got this backpack and you've got 50 things that are in the backpack. You don't, you don't realize it's that many, but they all need a place and they've got to go here and they've got to go there. And where do I put this? And ah, oh, shoot, that's at the bottom of the pack. And I need that now. And I got to take out everything. And so many people now I think are thinking, I've got to get that right. I've got to get that dialed in before I go. But that is the pilgrimage for people. That for me was the getting to find my way and getting my legs under me. So true. And I understand this intellectually, and I'm working on living it emotionally. (laughs) I love that. So we're going to have to talk with you after your walk to see how that all comes out. 
actually, we'll talk to you before you go because you still have, what are we, five months away from September? Five and a half months away? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit of time. Yeah. So when did you decide, I'm doing this? How long has it been? Well, I'd like to say the, the very first time I heard of the Camino was when I read a novel called The Pilgrimage by Paulo Coelho, a Brazilian writer. Mm-hmm. And I read that book in 2005. And it just didn't sink in that this is something mm-hmm. people do. Mm. But I remained aware of it. And then early during the COVID lockdown in spring 2020, I started reading more and more about it. Mm. And I felt drawn to it. I saw this as a community of people, literally worldwide and across centuries, Mm -hmm. that was doing something magnificent. And I felt drawn to want to be a part of it. And I, I kept finding out more and more. There wasn't one particular day where I said, I'm doing this. You know, I hear some people watch the movie The Way, and that's their light bulb moment. Mm. And they can tell you there was a before and after. Mine was a sort of blend into it. Mm. And then earlier this year, it was like the first week of January, after dinner one night, I said to Wendy, you know, there's something I'd like to do this year, and that's walk the Camino. (laughs) And she said, okay. And then that was another beginning for me mm-hmm. because then it wasn't just a thought, it became a plan. Mm. What does she think about this idea? This is your wife, yes? Yes, my wife, Wendy. And well, she encouraged me and and said okay and oh by the way we have friends in valencia spain american expats so we'll go visit them and you know she started asking me a few questions and she said i'm not doing 500 miles but (laughs) is there any way i can get some experience with it and i said well there's a another camino route that begins in valencia we could do a day walk on that. So that's part of our plan also. Wonderful. You know, I think a lot of people probably wonder, how do you include your loved ones in this? Who they're going, you go walk 500 miles. I don't think that's my thing. But to find a way to include these people because they love you, you love them, and they are going to hold down the fort, as it were, while you're off walking for four to six weeks. So this is a beautiful way to include Wendy in your journey. Yeah. yeah. And like I said, she's our family travel agent. So she's done a lot of the, you know, flight tracking and research. And, and that was really very helpful. You know, I'm keeping her informed. I bring her on some of my shopping trips to REI because <laughs> although I did way too much research, she has astounding, intuitive feel for what's right. She says, this backpack, not that one. I trust her opinion. The perfect balance. Some of my listeners are not in the United States. So I want to make sure that I say 
that REI stands for Recreational Equipment Incorporated. And it's one of our larger sporting goods stores in the US. And what many people love about REI is their return policy. You can buy your gear, you can even buy your boots and take them out for a test run. And if you're a member and they don't work out, you take them back and they give you all your money back. So for those of us who need to play around and fine tune and experiment and explore, it's a wonderful company to work with. Very much so. I uh, I have been there so often. The staff now recognize me when I walk in. <laughs> and I have a feeling that you are not the only pilgrim that they've been helping lately. Have you talked with them about how many people are coming in saying they're walking the Camino? That's a good question. I I haven't, but there was one time when I was trying backpacks that somebody else was there for the same reason, doing the same thing. <laughs> yes. The number of Americans on the Camino has increased steadily since the movie The Way came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to go back to Wendy as your travel agent, because when you and I first connected via email, you hadn't bought your plane tickets, but I have a feeling that something has changed recently. Where are you in the planning process then? Well, we had been tracking the prices, which were kind of high, like 1600 and they weren't really budging. And we you know, follow all these travel site emails that tell you when to buy and, and when, when to be serious about it. So yesterday I got home, she had a piece of paper in her hand with the new lower airfares. And she said, it's time to buy, let's go to the computer. Mm -hmm. So just last night I got my flights booked. So it feels much more real now. Aside from real, how does this feel? It's exciting. It's thrilling. It's happening. Yeah, because you had mentioned, well, initially you would prefer to wait to have our little conversation here until your flights were booked. So it became more real. Now it's real. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And just for the listener's benefit, I want to mention that Maurice and I are talking on March 28th, 2023, and he is leaving in the middle of September. So that's the window five, five and a half months ahead. And one of the questions that Maurice, that you asked me early on was what's the window to buy tickets to get the best fares. And I, I usually say 60 to 90 days before departure, but the truth is we don't know. We don't know. The airlines seem to have a mind of their own. And so you did what I always do. And what I advise people to do is to set up some tracking and what did you use to track flight? What websites were you using? Uh, Google Flights and Kayak. Um, and I originally found the flights using that site that you had recommended. What's it called again? It's Matrix ITA. Yes, Matrix. Yeah, I'll put that link in the notes. And it's also in the list of top 10 tips for people who sign up for my email list, I've got a free copy of my top 10 Camino tips that don't usually make it on the top 10 lists. So I'll put the link in the notes so people can sign up and get that list as well. Yeah, that's my favorite. That was a very helpful tip. Excellent. 
So the way that you have been with your backpack is me with flights and trains and buses. I look at everything, every iteration. When I'm picking my flights to Europe, the top places to go in are Madrid and Paris. But just for the heck of it, I also check London and Dublin and Amsterdam and you know all these other places that I could visit. And I love those travel fantasies, I guess. So you're booked. Yes. Okay. What is next on your planning and preparing to-do list? Well, I have a lot more things to buy. I've, I've purchased a couple of things. I think I'm going to be getting a lot more in the next few weeks. I've started doing some training, but then I got distracted by other things. I've done 12, 12-mile 12 walks or hikes. Actually, this week, the local Camino group has a monthly walk around the city that is 15 miles. So that, that'll be part of my training. Wow. That's a big walk. Yeah, that's a big walk. I've done it before. It's got hills and bridges. So they have done a very good job of reproducing some of the Camino experience. <laughs> I'm planning on doing my more intense training in July and August before I go. Mm -hmm. I mean, if I train now and then I, I drop it, I'll lose it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the other thing I've started thinking about is to pull back from all the research I've been doing and give up the idea that I have to know everything about what I'm getting into so that when I'm there, it's a it's a discovery and not, okay, here's this town, check that one off. Or here's this particular site. Okay, I've been there. Yeah. That is, in my opinion, the best way to go out it. Because we do need to do some planning before we go and some preparations before we go. But when you get there and you can be in the moment. That's one of the greatest gifts of the Camino. Hmm. So imagine yourself, you're walking for almost 40 days. It sounds like right around 40 mm -hmm. days. And every day you're getting up and packing your backpack and walking to your next destination. And when you get there, you'll do a little bit of laundry, take a shower, get something to eat. If you could look ahead and imagine yourself halfway into this, who are we now? Who, what are you seeing? That's a great question. By halfway, some of the, this is the first time I've done that. This is the first time that's happened to me. Some of that may be in the past. Mm. Of course, more surprises to come. So I, I will feel broken in mm. is a good way to put it you know like the way your boots soften up after enough hikes and more confident more more present ideally I might be with whatever family or group of people I'm walking with so that will be most important to me at the time mm. and uh, I guess by halfway the beginning of anticipation about there's a destination up ahead. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah. And that being in the moment, when you practice that at the pace of walking, I think that's when we come to own it as being something we become very good at. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Mm. I'm hesitating because I'm imagining you because I know where halfway is. And yeah, the halfway point is a town called Sagun in the middle of what's called the Meseta. And it's actually where I met David in that interview that you referenced. He and I met twice and Sagun was the second time. I hadn't seen him for a week and a half and boom, there's David. <laughs> and curiously, I, I did a second interview with David about after the Camino and I just edited that. So let's jump ahead now to Santiago. So that's not the end for you because you said you're going on to Finisterre. Let's imagine now you're in Santiago and you have become fully pilgrimed. You are, you are in your heart and soul and body, every cell, you are a pilgrim. And you're looking now to the Walk to Fistera, or Finisterre, as it's also called. And who are you now? Hmm. You know, one thing that bothered me a little bit early in my planning when I, I thought, oh, I'd, I'd like to see of Fistera also, and not just end at Santiago was, would I be confused about whether I was quote unquote done or not mm. in Santiago? And based on a, a conversation you had with somebody else, I can't unfortunately remember the episode or the person, I suddenly had the insight about the difference between a destination and an ending. Santiago is a destination for me. It's not the end of my pilgrimage. And neither actually is Fistera because the Camino continues even at home. So I now think of this as more of a spectrum and not I'm at a place and it's over. Okay, that gave me chills. <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. A destination, but not an ending. That is such a clear distinction. I'm so grateful for that, Maurice. Mm. Yeah, that's the question I want to give to everybody. Where does this end? And if it doesn't ever end, what are you doing with that? Mm. Yeah, very good. And the the thing is, too, is when you get to Santiago, if you realize that maybe for you, that's the end of your pilgrimage, then you can still walk to Fistera or you could get a bus or you could go join a tour. And you at any point on your Camino can adapt and adjust your plan and do something different. And I think that's part of the mystery. One of the things I like to say is no matter how you do this, no matter how much you plan and prepare, whether you book things in advance or you turn up each day to get a bed, it's still going to be a mystery tour if you go with that attitude of discovery. So I love that you use that word. You know, you, you've reminded me that although I have this plan to go to beyond Santiago to Pistera, I also know in my mind I can change that at any point, you know, I can get to Santiago and I can feel this is it. I'm 
whole, I'm complete, I'm here, I don't need anything more. And that's the perfection of the pilgrimage. And it comes with that awareness, that individual awareness of what am I doing and why. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm cheering. Okay, so I want to go back to your to your planning process. I've got notes. That's what I'm looking at here. Have you come across any challenges or frustrations in your planning process? Because I get the part that you're loving and I understand that. But have there been anything that you're like, oh, this is not my wheelhouse? Any challenges? Well, the first one was just learning about all of the kinds of clothing I can get and and backpack and and you know other stuff, sleep liners. I never heard of such a thing. <laughs> um, so just getting that body of knowledge and and the confidence to go get what will be good enough to start mm-hmm. that that was one challenge finding the balance between planning and being open to whatever happens mm-hmm. and i don't want to plan so much that i'm following an itinerary and i've i've got to go from a to b and and anything like that so those have been some challenges I've I've been getting over. One of them now, because of the anticipation, is I feel like I'll spend six months or more talking with people about it, and the whole thing will take less than six weeks. Well, it's like a good meal. The chef spends three hours preparing it, and we eat it in 10 minutes. That's a great analogy. Perfect. But it doesn't diminish the importance of the meal and it doesn't mm-hmm. diminish the quality and the significance of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and one more challenge was, and I've heard this advice from many sources, clarifying why am I doing this? Why did I feel that call, so to speak? And for me, it brought me back to one of my core beliefs, which is the interconnectedness of everything and how community is an outgrowth of that. And I I see this as a community and it's a community I want to be part of. Mm. And that's my motivation. I deeply respect the traditional religious pilgrimage this has been. And I can't say that that's me, Mm. but it doesn't mean that it isn't a significant life event for me. Even a pilgrimage in the sense that a sacred place to me is belongingness and community. And if my Camino brings me that, then it is in a way a pilgrimage. Just from this conversation, there's, I don't think there's any way it won't bring you that. I think you can expect that. And I think when we go with an attitude of expectancy rather than a list of expectations, and that sounds like what you're doing, that's when we draw to us those experiences and those connections that we're seeking. Well, I can't wait to talk to you after. (laughs) I think too, I've, I've thought about this over the years. It's a Catholic pilgrimage in origin. But so many people say, well, I'm not Catholic and I'm not even religious. 
I'm spiritual. Mm -hmm. In one of the groups I led, I had a woman who was an atheist. Anytime I would talk about the spiritual aspect, she'd just kind of tune out, which is fine. You know, we all do this our own way. What I would suggest is that even people who don't claim a religion or a religious affiliation or even spirituality, we still have some deep questions just because we're human. And you used the perfect word, and that was belonging. I think that we all, I think we're wired to want to belong to our communities or belong to our people, or people use the word tribe. It's a sense that we are part of something bigger and more than us. And I think that's pretty universal. That's a perfect description of how I feel and, and what I think about this. Wonderful. This is great. I can't wait to hear more as you go and as you get ready. Yeah. Anything else you'd like to share with, with me and with my listeners? You know, there are three things I've been doing that I think are going to be very helpful to me and, and they may or may not matter to other people. You know, I do tons of walking and I hike as often as I can. And I always use my watch to track the distance and whatever. So I've changed the settings to display kilometers instead of miles because I want to start thinking metrically. Yeah. And the other thing I've started paying attention that's similar is on a lot of packages now, it's got both units of measure. It'll have ounces and liters, ounces and grams. And I'm paying more attention to that because when I'm in Spain, I want to not have to translate consciously all the time. I love that so much. I don't know if you remember one of my tips was to start thinking in kilometers. And I remember exactly where I was on the Camino Frances when I met a woman who told me, you need to think in kilometers. And she told me that her pace was four kilometers an hour. And that meant that if you want to walk 20 kilometers, it's going to take you five hours. That was easy math for this brain because I don't do a lot of math on purpose. And so I tracked my, my own time and it was four kilometers an hour. And you are absolutely right. Being able to think in that measurement makes it such a different experience. And, and in fact, it was your top 10 <laughs> tip list that planted that idea. <laughs> so thank you again. I'm and, so glad and, that was useful. Another thing I've been doing, you know, I'm the type of person I subscribe to a lot of emails. There's a lot of information that comes at me and I have minimal notifications on my phone, but I still get many of them a day. And I'm starting to weed them out. I'm unsubscribing mm -hmm. to things. I'm turning off notifications because when I'm on the Camino, I want as few distractions from home as I can have. Now, I'm certainly going to check my email, but I only want to see friends, family, or really important things, and not just the newsletter that's of passing interest. And uh, one other thing I did, I had on one, one of my feet, a callus for many years. It mm. never bothered me. It was there. I would notice it. And then I said to myself, 
I don't want this to blow up when I'm doing 15 or 18 miles a day, every day. So I happened to have a, a regular with my doctor and I said, what do I do about this? And he said, go see a podiatrist, which I did. And that is resolved now. And I would say if you have anything you're concerned about on your feet or anything on your body, don't let it be a reason why you can't finish. Deal with it now. Great advice. So there were, I think I caught three things. You said you had three things. You had start thinking in kilometers. Right. Limit the distractions and start doing right. that now, which is a great idea. And go see a podiatrist. Or anything on your body that needs attention. Great. So we've got Maurice's top three tips for hiking the Camino. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'll put that as an addendum to the top 10. All right. I'm so glad you shared that with us. For me, it's interesting to see when people come along in the planning process, at some point you go, wait a minute, I need to think about this too. Nobody tells us to think about those things, but the process. And as we start to become pilgrim minded, we start to look at our lives and we look at our bodies and go, how am I going to do this? Because this is clearly not a walk in the park. Yeah, very good. Do you have any questions for me that I can answer to help in your planning process? You know, I, you mentioned before you saw me as someone thinking ahead. How can I begin to give back to the Camino mm. even before I've walked? I know that after I've walked at least one, I could train to be a hospital hospitalitero. <laughs> Sorry. That's a hard word. <laughs> and, and I know people volunteer in places like the pilgrim's office, but is there anything I can do in the next coming months that would be a way of contributing? Mm -hmm. Two things come to mind. One is you being a, a guest on this podcast is going to make a difference for pilgrims getting ready. Just the things that you have shared people are going to relate to that and they're going to see themselves in your story and they're going to take your three top tips and, and run with it. And that will make a difference. And then the other thing that I always go to is the idea of just show up. Mm -hmm. So you're at the American pilgrims gatherings and hikes and things that your chapter is doing. When you show up there and start to meet other pilgrims who are also getting ready and you show those concerns or those vulnerabilities or fears even, and then you share tips, what you've come across, that's where you can show up and that's where you can contribute right now. Mm -hmm. A couple of years ago, I heard a speaker at a conference that I was at say, don't just show up, show all the way up. And that went right to my heart because we each have something that we can bring that nobody else can bring. So you bringing you to your local chapter is going to be a gift to those other pilgrims. And you talking about your pilgrimage to your circle, to your friends and your family. If you remember Kathy Gatil's second interview from Dallas, what struck her was the impact she had on her community by 
demonstrating what it is to be courageous. And people were inspired by that. So by telling your story and by talking to people about what you're doing, strangers or people you know, people are inspired when we step out of our comfort zone and when we show all the way up. And so I love that question. Those are my first thoughts on it. I'm so glad you asked that. Thank you. I hadn't thought of it that way. And those insights are truly a gift. Thank you. Mm. It's my pleasure. I have one tactical question. Travel insurance. Yes. I I know to get it. Wendy and I are of an age when things can go wrong. (laughs) So are there any special considerations or gotchas for travel insurance Mm. on something amorphous like a Camino. (laughs) The the last time we got travel insurance, it was a traditional vacation. Get Mm -hmm. a flight, book a place to stay for a week. The costs were very clear what the risks were. This is different. It is. It is different. And one of the biggest differences is that you're not prepaying everything. So For people who do book a tour company to reserve their rooms and beds in advance, well, I don't know that they usually do beds, but they'll reserve the rooms in advance for you. You'll put out a good chunk of money for that. If you're doing that, you'll want to buy insurance to cover however much you have paid for that. But the pilgrim that's not booking ahead, who is going to get themselves to Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port, maybe book the first few days and then make it up as they go, their outlay of money is not that great up front. So the shift in focus then is on what you are insuring. So you won't so much be insuring the price that you paid up front so that if you had to cancel before you left, you'd get reimbursed for that. Your focus is now on what might I need while I'm on the trail. So there are a few things that I recommend pilgrims always have. And now Notice I didn't say always get, because you want to do a survey of your home country insurance, whatever your medical insurance is, and see if they cover any of this. What I always get is a medical and dental policy that covers if something goes wrong in terms of illness or injury, right? So if I get sick on the trail and I have to see a doctor, I have to go to a clinic, if I have a a dental emergency, you know, the the root canal turns up at the wrong time, those kinds of things, then I I have some insurance to cover those kinds of things. Then the other category is what would fall into catastrophic. Things go badly wrong and you end up with a severe situation in a hospital, severe enough that you can't recover while you're there and then you have to be flown home. That's called medical evacuation or you might need the services of a medical concierge to coordinate all those pieces. And that can run into the thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars. And I think most people would rather not pay those expenses out of pocket. So that's the other category is, is whatever medical evacuation you might need. But I want to point out that it's not because you're climbing rock faces that you're going to fall off of and break your spine. It's because you might, you know, those of us of a certain age, I do have a a pilgrim friend who had a heart attack on the Camino and was in the hospital for a number of days getting treated for that. So it's those kind of things. There are the 
statistically uncommon run-ins with automobiles that cause injuries to the humans. So that does happen. Knock on wood, something that's not going to happen to you. So those are the kind of things that you want to ensure. You will hear people say, oh, this happened and that happened. I went to a clinic and they never charged me and they never sent the insurance and they never required anything. Those things do happen, but that's probably not what you're buying the insurance for. You're buying it for the big thing that would have you end up in a hospital and have to be medically transported home. The other thing that you want to look for is what's called repatriation of remains. And again, knock on wood, you're coming home alive and breathing. But if you were to die while in Spain, the remains have to be dealt with. And that can be quite costly. You could, of course, you have a choice if you want to be cremated in Spain or if you want to have your intact body brought back home. So that's the other piece of insurance that I always get. I did actually hear, so my father passed away a year ago. And so I was the one to deal with his cremation and all of that kind of stuff. And from what I heard, because I don't know why I asked the question, but I asked how much it cost to cremate a body in Spain, and it was three times what I paid here. So I don't know if that's accurate, but I don't want to put that on my family or on my, you know, my brother or my friends or anybody to have to deal with that. So that's what I get. This is the long answer, by the way. (laughs) One of the other things that travel insurance covers is for somebody to come over and be with you. So if something were to happen and you ended up on a long stint in the hospital, it would pay for that person to come be with you. And then they don't have to worry, oh shoot, now I'm out $2,000 for a last minute flight. It's covered. So those are the big things that I look for in travel insurance at this stage and when walking the Camino. Now, there's all these other things that can be included in travel insurance, like trip delay. If your flights are delayed and you have to get another night in a hotel you weren't anticipating, lost baggage is something that's covered. Trip interruption, if you're in the middle of your trip and you have to go home. Many of the policies now cover COVID if you got sick and had to pay for 10 extra nights in a hotel that you weren't expecting. So the lesson here is to read the fine print and choose what you feel you need for your comfort level and your financial position. That's extremely helpful. Thank you. Again, the long answer. (laughs) Yeah. The other thing I want to mention is many credit cards in the US, and unfortunately, I can't speak for credit cards in other countries, but I believe some of it's tied to Visa and MasterCard, which are international companies. So do check. But many credit cards offer some level of travel insurance, like the trip cancellation, like the trip delay, lost baggage, things like that. So if you read the fine print on those, you may find out you already have those, and then I'm not going to worry about buying it again. See, that's the thing is you don't need to buy it twice. So in terms of companies, there are many, many companies that offer travel insurance. And if you went on Facebook and asked that question in one of the Camino groups, If you got 10 answers, there would be eight different answers. So what I use is a website called squaremouth.com, and I'll put that in the notes as well. I use them to compare and just see if the company that I usually use, if they're still competitive and if there's anything better. I use a company called Seven Corners, 
And I like them because their policies are very affordable. They have options so that I can get just the coverage that I want. But what I do want to mention is I have never had a claim. So I don't know how they'll be when I have a claim. That said, here's a tip for how to get a sense of your travel insurance company. One of the things I often do when I'm getting ready to buy their insurance is I come up with a question and I call their customer service line and I ask them my question. I'm looking to see how responsive they are, how informed they are, how customer service oriented they are. And if I don't get a good feeling from that phone call, then I won't buy from them again because it gives me an indication, not a guarantee, but an indication of how they might be if I called with a claim. And so the last time I was in Spain, I had, an, I had something I had to have checked out. I had a thing going on with my eye. And so I called them and said, okay, I'm going to go get help. What documentation do I need? And the gal who helped me was so thorough and so helpful. It gave me tremendous peace of mind to know that I was with a good company. So that's a tip. Call before you go, call before you buy and ask them a question. That's great advice. And the last time we got insurance, it was seven corners from square mouth. So excellent. Well done. Very reassuring. Excellent. Thank you for everything you've done. It's Mm -hmm. been such a great help to me in my planning and preparation. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. It's so satisfying for me to hear that because that's that's why I'm here. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, if you don't have any more questions, we'll go ahead and wrap this up. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time. I know you um, you weren't sure if you wanted to be on or if you had something valuable to share with our pilgrims. And I'm going to tell you, you do. And I think people probably are going to get have gotten, will get a lot out of this episode. So thank you, Maurice. Thank you so much. Thank you, Nancy.